Well, amen, choir. Thank you. Give them another hand, wouldn't you? Good. Thank you, ladies. Praise the Lord. Yeah. I, I didn't know it was my turn. I, I thought they was going out to smoke and come back in. I didn't know. I, amen. Thank you all. Oh, man. Pastor, uh, I want to just say thank you and we usually do this on Wednesday, but I don't, I don't need to do this on Wednesday. Thank you for letting me come. This has been so good for me. This has refreshed my soul just these, well, less than 48 hours, but uh, to know that people come to meeting on Monday night, <laughs> you, you've refreshed my soul tonight. Amen. You, you encouraged me last night. You've already encouraged me tonight. And Bruce, great to see you again, my friend. God love you. Thank you for... Being, uh, I was just talking last night that, uh, of we were at uh, the old 12th Street Church in Gadsden School of the Prophets, first time we were ever together, and the Ardendale Choir came, and that's been years ago. It was a wonderful, wonderful time when uh, we got together. I was praying this afternoon, and I said, Lord, just let me, let me jump just one time tonight while I'm preaching. I just, uh, just want to jump once, and uh, That'll be good, amen. Because I'm right at home, I got a jumping singer where I am, and uh, same thing. And uh, but uh, well, I'm, I'm glad you've come tonight. I, I want you to take your Bible and go to a text in Luke nine, and we're going to look there in a moment. But before I go there, I, I want to address a just a quick item that you saw on television. You saw that awful shooting in that Sikh temple and all that's gone on uh, in that. And of course, we've had two or three of these things lately in our nation. Uh, evidently, this gentleman thinking that the Sikhs were Muslim background, of course, they're not. And, uh, but but I, want you, I want you to study now. If you're a believer, you need to go and find out what Sikhs believe. And, and you need to look at Eastern mysticism in our nation. The new attack is, is the pluralism or really the pantheism of Eastern mysticism in America. Pantheism says that God is in everything. There is a one, not like a one-ism, but we don't believe in a one-ism. We're, we're two-ism people. Those are not even words, but we just made them up, all right? One-isms say that God's in everything. I read one lady today. These are people that say, I don't like religion. I just like spirituality. She said, I see it most when I look in the eyes of my dog. Because God is in that animal. And you think that's nuts. Let me tell you, it is everywhere. Hollywood is replete with it. They say we don't need the church, we don't need to organize. They don't like They like spirituality. Well, the twoism side says that God is not in everything. God is holy and above. That's what we've been worshiping him in tonight. 
He's glory, he's power, he, he's relief from the stress. He, and so he is there and we are, and he that is there and we are here, but he came to us and now moves inside of us. And we worship him, not just up there, but in here. And that's why music is so important to the worship side. It stirs the God that's in us. And it causes God to do a work in, inside of his people. And that's what revival's all about. That's why we need to come. I'm, we, we're not, we haven't got the revival in this meeting yet, but we're close to camp meeting, I'll, I'll tell you. We, we are. Amen. And if you've never been to camp meeting, you, you ought to, well, you can't just go to one. There's got to be one for you to go to, all right? And, and God begins to get in that, and people, the, the church has got to get right. And the reason we won't see crusade is because we don't see revival. We've got to have the church stirred so that God will do a work. Well, tonight I want you to look at a text that I think every Christian should have memorized. And many of you do, but, uh, and then after you memorize it, you need to internalize it, then you need to personalize it, and, and it be, needs to become your life. Jesus speaks these words in the Gospel of Luke in chapter 9. And he says this in verse 23. That's the text. Luke 9, 23. And he was saying to them all, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, he is the one who will save it. For what is a man profited if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and implied the glory of the holy angels. But I say to you truthfully, there are some of those standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. I read about three months ago a report in a newspaper of a lady, and I wrote it down because I have to get the word right. She said, I am a flexitarian. A flexitarian. I didn't know what that was. And she said, and I quote, her name's Christy Pugh. She said, flexitarians are the new vegetarians. They don't eat meat unless they really like it. <laughs> Christy Pugh went on to say in this article, as a flexitarian, I really like the vegetarian food. I'm just not 100% committed to it. And I said to myself, she's not a vegetarian. And then I thought of Olive Baptist Church where I have the joy of pastoring. And I said, Lord Jesus, I got flexitarian members. Yeah. They, they really like Jesus. They're just not into helping the poor. They, they really like Jesus and the golden streets part they just don't like sacrificial giving and a tithe. 
They like it that their sins are washed away, but they're just not big on forgiving others when they offend them. Flexitarians. They're just not 100% committed to taking up their cross daily and following Jesus. Well, tonight, I, I want to share a message that I just entitled, just one word, the word is move, move. We need to move. And this text calls us to move. And so I want you to look at this text with me that, that you know and you've said it a thousand times, but, but I want you to write verse 23 on the walls of your heart. If you've never memorized it, I want you to put it in your soul and, and I want you to quote it and write it over in the front of your Bible, put it somewhere and, and just look at it in your prayer book and think about it. Teenagers, write it down somewhere that if anyone wishes to come after me, must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Move! We need to move. When we get to the end of this service in just a few moments, our dear pastor is going to stand here at the front. I'm going to ask some of you to move. I'm going to ask you to get out of your seat and move. I'm going to ask you to come and some of you to move your commitment to Christ and be saved tonight. Some of you, I'm going to ask you to move your membership to this church. I'm going to ask you to move. Some of you need to make a confession by baptism and I want you to move. Some of you need to repent, and I'm going to ask you to move. But the movement we talk about coming down the aisle is secondary to what this text teaches us. There needs to be a move within our soul. I grew up in a little town of Pisgah, Alabama, and there's not a red light there. It's just a little crossroads town, about 700 people still in it. And my daddy ran the only grocery store there, and it's right at the... Uh, one little crossroad, like I said, no red light. There's one stop sign leaning at a 45-degree angle. <laughs> Town drunk hit it years ago, and it's never been put back. It's still there like that. I saw it just the other day. It's leaning over. It used to be that there was a big oak tree out right in the square of the little crossroads, and, and the old men had built benches around it, and they sat there every day, every afternoon. They were retired and they did two things, well, three really. They would whittle, take their old buck pocket knife and put those long cedar shavings. They'd whittle, and they'd chew and spit, and lie. That's what they did when they said that. <laughs> and when they did all that, they played checkers. And they moved those checkers all day long. They'd spit and whittle and lie and play checkers. That's what they did. And I, as a little kid, I'd ride there on my bicycle. And I came up, and I remember one afternoon, old Mr. Jones was there, and I came up, and Mr. Jones looked at me, and he said, some of you like to play checkers? And I said, well, I never played with him. I said, I sure would. And so I got off my bike, and I got put the stuff there. And so he moved, and I studied the board for a minute, and he looked over at me, and he said, well, Move! I said, well, I just, he said, well, son, if you're going to play, you got to move. And then he looked at me, I'll never forget it, Pastor. He, looked, he said, I ain't got all day. <laughs> and I thought, all day's all you got. I mean, but old Mr. Jones, he was like, he wants you to move. Well, I'm telling you, most Baptists, I know have looked at the board long enough. It's time for us to move. It's time for us to take up our cross and follow 
Christ. Move. I want to show you three things in this text where we need to. Number one, we need to move and pursue Jesus. Verse 23 says, if anyone wishes to come after me, deny himself, take up his cross daily, follow me. There are three key words in this pursuit of Jesus. No, yes, and which way? Number one, we must say no to ourselves. A man must deny himself. No to what you want. No to your way. No to what you want. I, I want to do this. No. Jesus says, no, deny yourself. Come and follow me. Let me tell you, dear friend, denying yourself takes more discipline than to deny yourself things. I'm not talking about denying things. I'm talking about denying you, your will. Oh, if I had my way tonight, I'd be starting another college basketball season in California. My dream as a kid was to coach the UCLA Bruins. Take John Wooden's seat. People usually chuckle at that. So what you don't know, been lesser men than this preacher fired after following him. That was my goal. I wanted to do that. And I believed I could. I want to work my web and do that. And I'm telling you, when God put his hand on me, he said, no, that is not your direction. I shall never forget the night I symbolically took off my whistle and picked up this book and I said, okay, Lord, I will go. And I'm telling you, I've been coaching ever since. I've been coaching ever since, but I had to say to myself first, no to my way. No. You say no to yourself. And then you say yes to the cross. Amen. Take up the cross and follow it. Now, hear me. I hear people all the time talk about, well, I'm bearing my cross. And they say, you know, I've got an illness. Well, that's a burden, but it, that's, not, that's not bearing your cross. No, no, no. You, you don't carry the cross. You take up the cross, you die. You see, friend, the cross is not something you wear. It's something that wears you. You come to the cross and die. Now, ladies, don't get offended if you've got a cross around your neck tonight. I'm, I'm not telling you you can't wear it. I wear cufflinks many, many Sundays, and I have cross cufflinks, and I have a lapel. I, you know, I wear a cross. I, but, but I'm telling you, we've turned it into jewelry when it is really execution. If you want to know what the cross is all about, we'd be better to wear an electric chair on a chain around our neck. That's the symbol. No to yourself, yes to the cross. I die to myself. I say yes to the cross. And then I say, which way, Lord? Which way? I say, Lord, I will go with you. 1 Corinthians 15, 31 says, I die daily. You ought to paint that somewhere uh, in, in your life. I die daily. Our churches have grown so apathetic. There's apathy in the land. I understand I'm preaching to the choir tonight. Because you're here, but still there's an apathy. And I'm telling you, what needs to happen is, is we need to draw a line. We need to draw a line in our life, and we need to move from apathy to action. We need to step across and say, from this day forward, I will deny myself. I will take up the cross, and I will move to pursue 
Jesus. Draw that line from apathy to lordship. Some of you in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to get out of your seat. Come down here and draw this line. Say, I am, I am, I am ready. One year ago, I, uh, there comes times in your life, you've so encouraged me, this has been a, these have been good days for me. I, I came and I sat down on the steps of the church at Olive. And I talked to my people. And I told them this. I said, I'm drawing a line. And I'm stepping across it, and and I don't care what you think. I don't care what the Pensacola News Journal thinks. I don't care what Baptist Press thinks. I don't care what the devil thinks. I'm going as best I know, with all the passion of my soul, I'm going to follow my Jesus till the day I die. And I'm asking you, Come go with me. Now, you know, I, I'm, I'm a big fish in a small pond down in Pensacola. Our, our church is large in that area, but our town's not Birmingham. We're in a two-county area of 400,000 people. And when we do something, they look, and we get quoted in the paper, and they're liberals, I'm telling you, that paper. They, they don't like me. And I don't like them. <laughs> when they talk about me, I just let it go in one ear and almost out the other. <laughs> but you know how it is. That sticks in you sometimes. But you just, you know, you can grow a church and, and you guys have done that. I mean, this, this church is a power punch in this community. You come down this road, you, I'm telling you, it's easy to move yourself into the place of saying, you know, We'd just really like the city council to really like us. Well, they might, and it's okay if they do, but that's not our goal. You know, I like the mayor in in Pensacola, but he said some stuff the other day, and I called him and wrote him and took him on. I just have decided it's no to me. Yes to the cross. Which way, Lord? And I'm telling you, church, it's late in the game. It's late in the game. It, it's time for God's people to stand up and draw that line and move from apathy to action of lordship in our culture. I'm not talking about being mean. I'm, not talk, I'm just talking about being salt and light and standing for Christ in our world and speaking the truth in love. That is what we've got to do. I'm telling you, if we don't, we're going to leave for the coming generation, for my children and your children, for our grandchildren. We're going to leave a church that's hollow if we don't begin to show them a people on fire. Move to pursue Jesus. But not only do you move to pursue Jesus, secondly, this text says in verse 24, you can move and trust Jesus. Look in verse number 24. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, he is the one who will save it. You you know, I I didn't mind giving my life to Christ. I just wondered if I was going to have to go by myself. (laughs) No, you don't go by yourself. Out of Matthew 8 where the Gentleman came and said, Lord, I'll, I'll follow you. And 
He said, well, you know, foxes got holes and dens, but the Son of Man had nowhere to lay his head. He said, well, let me first go and bury my father. He said, no, no, let the dead bury the dead. Come and follow me. You can trust him. I tell you, Jesus will walk with you every step of the way. Every step of the way. But I'm glad to see these young people sitting here and elsewhere tonight. I, I brought, I really struggled with what I preached tonight, but a few, uh, many, many years ago, there was a young man who fell in love with a young girl. And you know his name. He's one of our first missionaries. His name is Adoniram Judson. There's a school in this state with that name on it. Well, Adoniram Judson fell in love with Anne. And he wanted to ask for her hand in marriage. I have a son, and then I have a daughter, and I now have a son-in-law who came and asked for my daughter's hand. Well, the way Adoniram Judson did it, he went to Anne's father, and then he wrote him a letter. And when he wrote the letter, I want you to hear what he wrote. Sir, I have now to ask whether you can consent to part with your daughter early next spring to see her no more in this world. I'd have been done right there, I'm just telling you. <laughs> you imagine the audacity. I ask whether you can consent to her departure and her subjection to the hardships and sufferings of missionary life whether you can consent to her exposure to the dangers of the sea, to the fatal influence of the southern climate of India, to every kind of wanton distress, to degradation, insult, persecution, and perhaps even a violent death. Can you consent to all of this for the sake of him who left his heavenly home and died for her and for you, for the sake of perishing immortal souls, for the sake of Zion and the glory of God, can you consent to all of this in the hope of soon meeting your daughter in the world of glory with a crown of righteousness? Signed, Adoniram Judson. Anne's father could not answer. He said, I cannot answer such a request. Anne must answer for herself. Anne wrote to her best friend Lydia Kimball these words, just a few lines. I, Lydia... I feel willing and expect if nothing in providence prevents to spend my days in this world in heathen lands. Yes, Lydia, I have about come to the determination to give up all of my comforts and enjoyments here, sacrifice my affection to relatives and friends, and go where God in His providence shall see fit to place me. And Anne married Adoniram Judson. The year was 1813 and they left for Burma. They were there 11 years when Adoniram Judson was put in prison for what they thought was treason. Every night for a year, they tied a rope around his feet, raised it up so that the only thing touching the ground was his shoulders. Heat over 100 degrees, Rat-infested mosquitoes everywhere ate him alive. Anne was then pregnant. 
walking the streets and scouring for any piece of bread she could find to bring to her husband to feed him during the night. After a year of that torture, the jailer felt compassion and turned him loose at night so he could go out with her and try to find food. After 18 months in that hell hole, he was released. The baby was born. But at age 37, Ann Judson died. She had spotted fever. Adonai would marry again and bury a second wife. You say, my Lord, is that what this text means? It can. So what difference does it make? Oh, now you go to that nation where there were no churches. Today, there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of churches because this man took the language and put it in their tongue. Conversion and revival started because one man said, I wish to follow Christ and I will deny myself, take up His cross, and I will follow Him daily. And I can trust Him. You see, friend, we, we don't trust Him to see if we're going to have enough social security. That's not the issue. The issue is to trust Him to see if we can get to glory and get the kingdom brought in while we draw air. That is our assignment. And you can trust the Lord Jesus. He will see you through as He saw Adonai Judson through that hellish call. Move and pursue Jesus. Move and trust Jesus. And then move and confess Jesus. Look, look in this text. Jesus goes on to say, if you, you lose his life, you'll find it. But, but what, what's it profit him? If you gain the whole world, if you get his riches, Mitt Romney, and forfeit your soul, what's it count? What if you run for president and win, but lose your soul? What have you gained? Then in verse 25, 26, for whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him. You, you go to Luke 12, just three or four pages over, and Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before the Father. And if you don't confess me, I won't confess you. Confession. Move. Somebody in this room needs to move tonight. There's a young person who needs to move. Somebody's here tonight, I, I, I guarantee you there's somebody in this room God's called you to missions or to preach in His service tonight. God doesn't put this illustration in a message without it's there for somebody full-time, vocational service, whatever that phrase in Baptist kingdom mentality means. You know what I'm talking about. God says, come and follow me. Take up your Bible. Be a preacher. Be a singer. Be an evangelist. Be a missionary. Come and confess Him. For some of you tonight, you've never been saved, and to confess Him is to walk down this aisle. I'll walk in. It's an interesting. It's a phenomenon in Baptist life. Right now we're having a kingdom argument whether we all even have an invitation. It's a big uh, Baptist get-together Saturday. I talked to two of the guys today that was involved in it. 
over all the providence and Calvinism and whether you give an invitation or you're a particular Baptist or you're a general Baptist or whatever. And uh, I told somebody this afternoon, I was going over to First Baptist Pelham and I'm going to preach like a particular general Southern Baptist and, and, and just give the gospel and let God do whatever he's going to do and we're going to give an invitation and if God tells them not to come, he'll build a wall, but if he wants them to come, they'll come. I, I'm, I'm telling you, that's over my pay grade. All I know is I kept seeing Jesus say, come and follow me. Come and follow me. He tended to give an invitation. And they kept getting out of the boats. And come. Some of you need to get out of the boat tonight and move and come and follow Christ. Say yes to him. He'll save you. I don't care who you are. He'll, he'll save you. Some of you have been saved, but you've never been baptized right. Some of you have never been baptized by immersion. I preached three Sunday nights ago on why we don't baptize babies at Olive Baptist Church. It's amazing to me. We have to preach on that. But we do today. Why we don't baptize infants. Why we don't believe in pedal baptism. Baptism always follows your conversion. And if you're here tonight and you've never been baptized, you ought to come. I pastor Dorchard Hills Baptist Church in Garland, Texas. I baptized Tommy. He had a ponytail all the way down to his belt. He had it in a rubber band around it when I got ready to baptize him. And I put him in the water and he got gloriously saved. And I'd baptize him. He came up and he shook his head. Like a sheepdog, he wet me all over. And I... <laughs> And slapped me with that old long ponytail. I, I was fighting that thing. It, it, was, it was funny. But he got to, his girlfriend was with him and came that day and she grabbed me. It was a two-arm grab. You know those, they don't just get you here, but they both arms, right, right hands, right here on my forearm. She said, what'd you do to Tommy? I said, well, I baptized him. She said, did you put him underwater? I said, I did. She said, I've never seen anything like that in my life. I, I looked at her and I said, sweet sister, I said, are you a Catholic girl? And, and she said, I am. I said, you were baptized and you were a baby, right? And she said, yeah. I said, you remember that? And she said, well, of course I don't. I said, I'm not throwing rocks at you, but I want you to know your baptism was something your parents did for you. What Tommy did was something he did for himself today. It was his personal confession. and He came to confess Christ. And I'll never forget it, Pastor. She looked at me and she said these words. 25 years ago, I, I remember it till I get Alzheimer's. She, she said to me, <laughs> she looked me right in the face and she said, you know, that's one of the things I like about you Baptists. Your faith is so stinking personal. That's the word she used. <laughs> stinking personal. I said, amen. And it can be stinking personal to you if you'll give your faith, give your life and faith. To Jesus Christ. You, somebody needs to come tonight and confess Christ and, and get ready to be, be baptized. You, you, you've been saved, but you've never been baptized. Some of you say, well, I, I was baptized way back there, but then I got saved later. Well, then you've not been baptized. You, you didn't make your confession. You, you come tonight, and, and the pastor will give you direction, and they'll set a time, and they'll baptize. You need to make your confession. Some of you need to join this church tonight. You need to make a confession. You, you need to come and confess. You need to walk this aisle. Say yes to Christ, yes to the church. Some of you need to come and just fall on your face and, and confess that Jesus is Lord and repent. But I want to show you the best word in this whole text. It's back in verse 23. Jesus was saying to them, if, and what's the word? Anyone. Isn't that a great word? Anyone. Did, did you know anybody can come? Anyone. There was a day in, in the church like this that a black person couldn't come. Thank God we're past that. Amen. Amen. Anyone. Somebody with a 
Sexual perversion in their past can come. Amen? If, if you're on the police force, thank God for you, but there's built into your training something that says someone who has violated sexually a child can never change. That, police officers are taught that. My guys that protect me at the church, they, great, they just say, Pastor, we, we have to be very, very careful. I said, we do be careful. We, we have a guy that comes like that, and we have many of them, and we try to train, help them. They don't work in the preschool. They're not even allowed in that end of the building. But the gospel is stronger than perversion. Anyone, anyone, an ex-con? Well, thank God he wrote half the New Testament. Amen. Anybody can come. Recently divorced. Aren't you glad that, that the divorced person can come? Amen. Boy, if we didn't, that, that'd be well over half the people in Pelham. We, we couldn't share the gospel. Anyone can come. Alcoholic? Republican? Democrat? Amen. Anybody? Pothead? Anybody, addict, Baptist hypocrite, anyone. One of our U.S. congressmen visiting our church, been there the last several Sundays, he asked me the other day, he said, Pastor, if my wife and I decided to come, would, would we be welcome at your church? I said, why, this church is full of thieves and liars. I said... <laughs> I said, come on. Amen. I said, we're just all on the glory train. I said, come on. Anyone. Now, you know, we, we preach that, but, but now coming to practice, that's something else, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yes, sir. I remember the first interracial couple came to join Dollar Baptist Church. Shh. White man, black lady. I live in Florida, but I don't live in the real Florida. I live in the Alabama, Florida. <laughs> Amen. There's, there's three Floridas. <laughs> there's a panhandle, and there's Mickey Mouse, and, and, and then there's the capital of Latin America. I mean, there's three Floridas. So, you know, you know. But I, I live in the Alabama, South Georgia part. <laughs> and that racial issue is still prevalent. First time I ever had a black man preach at Olive Baptist Church, I got a letter. One of my members, and I know who, who it is, they told me, they promised me, said, if you ever have another black man come, we're going to burn your house down. That's, that's what they sent the letter. Didn't sign it, but I, I found out later who it was. We now have a black minister of music. Amen. Second time I asked that black preacher to come, he brought the whole choir. Amen. Just, just some places, you, there's some hills you got to die on. If, if we're going to say anybody can come, teenagers with piercings, I'm just telling you right now, I'm not man enough to be a teenager today. I, I, I'm not. I thought I was pretty tough in high school, but I, all that, oh, I couldn't do that. I, just, I mean, I, I just, 
Our youth guy used to tell him when he baptized those people, I said, hurry up and get them off, dry them out before they rust. I mean, you got to get them out. Anyone, 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 amen? If anyone comes, pastor, a few, five, six years ago it is, six years, we started a ministry in our church to, to ladies that had been incarcerated and I noticed that men, we had a lot of things for men, but ladies, we didn't. We went them to Christ, and, and they'd come out of jail, and all kind of backgrounds, and drugs, and alcohol, and just junk. And, and so I got a house, and we just started, and we now have four, I believe it's 14 ladies that are with us now, and we're building houses as fast as we can. This ministry's going on. I call it the Karis House, Karis for Grace. It's a Grace House. And these ladies come court-ordered to us, most of them out of prison, and, and uh, they come to us, and and Jackie Johnson was my first lady. I love Miss Jackie. Jackie's a sweet lady. And she's now came through our ministry. Now she's the house mother in our lead home. And, you know, some Sundays you just get to preaching and, you know, you leave your manuscript, you know, you just kind of launch out there. And, and uh, you, you know, you just, and I remember once I just said, well, I look forward to the day when people come and anybody can come get saved. And I was just naming stuff. And I said, I look forward to the day when prostitutes come and get right with God right here at Olive Baptist Church. Well, that day after church, I walked down, and Miss Jackie walked by, and she had on a big old hat and dressed nice. And she came by, I remember, she kissed me right here. And then she walked a few steps, and she turned, and she said, Pastor, you can quit praying that whore prayer. <laughs> now, you see, she didn't, she didn't, she wasn't a hypocrite like us. I mean, she just, she just said it, you know. She didn't know any better. She just saved, not really sanctified, but she's, you know, she's growing in the Lord, but that's the way she knew it. And I said, what do you mean? She said, well, before I came to the Cares house, she said, two blocks from the church, she said, I sold myself one afternoon, got $50, went one block to the crack house, got my crack after I'd Sold myself sexually. Got my drugs. She said, I lost all my kids. Never seen my grandbabies. She said, I was a prostitute. And the grace of Jesus has set me free. Anyone... I had her give her testimony a few weeks ago, and... Only God could have done this. In, in Florida, if your children are ever taken from you, you can never get them back. There is nothing that can restore those kids back to your home. That, that's just impossible. And the Sunday I had her give her testimony, the caseworker for her children visited our church and called our office later and said, we've been hearing about Jackie, and I, I've watched her for two years, and Saturday is a week ago. It's on my Facebook page. You can go to my Facebook page tonight and see it. There's pictures of her crying and she's hugging her son that she had never seen since he was an infant child and he's now about 12, 13 years old and, and that caseworker brought him and said, I want you to meet your mother and see what Jesus has done for her. And, and, and Jackie, Jackie said to her, she said, Pastor, I may never get him back. I don't know if I even want to be his mom or need to be his mom. I, I don't know if I can. And, but... She said, oh, I just have one prayer, and that is I want to I touch him, I want to kiss him, and I want to tell him 
what Jesus has done for me, he can do for him. Amen. That's why I got in this business. Amen. That's it. If anyone, anyone, if you, if you, if you, oh, Dr. Crystal out of Dallas used to say, if one, somebody, you. <laughs> That's why he'd give the invitation. If anyone deny himself, take up his cross, come. And Jesus said, I will in no wise cast you out. I, friend, some of you have been hurt by the church, and I know the church is cast. I'm here to tell you, I, I don't know this church well, but I, I know this pastor, and I, I'm getting to know this church. I, I think they've just got their arms like this for you. And they just say, come on, come to Christ, come to Christ, come to Christ. Somebody's in here tonight, and anyone, member of this church, anyone, somebody just walked in, anyone, if you will come, Move and pursue Jesus. Move and trust Him. Move right now and confess Him as your Lord and as your Savior. Pray with me. Father, thank You for our time tonight. Oh Lord, we've just had glorious worship.